Hi, everyone. Before we start, I want to share a message from our supporter on the podcast, Charles Sturt University. We talk a lot about climate and environmental science on this podcast and some of the amazing work women are doing in these fields. If you're looking to learn more about this and potentially thinking about pivoting your career in this direction to help in solving complex environmental challenges, then check out the Graduate Certificate Environmental Management at Charles Sturt University. It is a short course giving you specialist knowledge about conservation, natural resources or water resources. Start now and you could be upskilled in less than six months, gaining a certificate that will provide credit towards a master's. Check out more at their website, study.csu.edu.au forward slash graduate dash certificate. Now to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley and I'm the publisher and co-founder of Agenda Media. I will be joined shortly by my Agenda Media co-founder, Tarla Lambert, on the agenda this week. We'll be taking a little run around the key men involved in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. It is a big one. It is a huge story and a little bit difficult to ignore this week. We'll take a look at the gender pay gap and where it is now at following the latest announcement from Widgia on Thursday. And we've got a number of excellent wins for women this week. They are very much needed. Thank you for listening. Hi, Tala. How are you? Good, Ange. How are you? I'm okay. It has been a very long week, a very uh, kind of haunting week, I might say, in terms of obviously the Russian-Ukraine situation that has escalated significantly in the past 24 hours with um, Putin basically, well, uh, declaring an invasion of Ukraine. I have just uh, polished off a thing of Pringles for lunch. I don't know. That, that's where I go to when I like start to get anxious <laughs> about, about international relations and the global situation. It's what I certainly did a lot through COVID. And you just look down and you think, what, what happened? I was watching Twitter and flipping through chips out of the Pringles cans. In scrolling. The Pringles are gone. It was definite doom scrolling. But other than that, it seems reasonable to doom scroll at the moment, to be fair. Um, it has been a really confronting week of news and I just don't think that there's, uh, I don't really know what the answer is and, uh, like, you know, I think it's. I a, expect you to have the answer, Tyler. That's, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't invade Ukraine. No, That's a possibility. Leaving that aside, we're going to get to that in a moment. And But first, I think let's share a couple of wins so we have something positive to start with. I mean, look, it's a small win in the scheme of what is going on. Um, a win feels a very strange word for it, I guess, an act of absolute courage and conviction. And Some footage has gone viral uh, today and it is of an older woman in the Ukraine and she is confronting Russian troops on the ground there, um, heavily armed, and she she goes up to them and, and she demands to know what they're doing in her country. Um, but one of the most powerful parts of the exchange, um, I feel, was when she urged them to, to carry sunflower seeds in their pockets um, and she said, you know, you should you should carry these seeds in your pockets because when you die here, they, those flowers are going to grow on my on my land. Um, and yeah, look, she is being heralded 
as a hero across social media. Um, it, it just, you, you can't even begin to fathom what the people of Ukraine are going through right now, the fear um, that they must be experiencing. Uh, but to see that woman channel that, you know, anxiety, um, which would be paralyzing into such an act of courage uh, was really amazing to see. Um, and I just, I, I'm dreading the kind of footage that's going to come out of this in recent, in, in kind of coming days and weeks and months, whatever it is. Um, and also how this situation is, is going to escalate. Uh, it just seems like an incredibly perilous, precarious time at the moment. And, um, and it makes me really worried about the leaders who are in charge of ensuring world safety on a, on a broader note. Um, it's truly concerning that the such a, a state of affairs and an expert put it really well on, I think it was on BBC News the other day, but I just heard him say, you know, everything that is happening at the moment is happening between Putin's two ears and he is making every call based on his own convictions and, you know, whatever is leading him and, and um, his intent to, to build this Russian empire. But we just see this kind of ego, perhaps not in the exact same vein as Putin demonstrates, but we see this overwhelming male ego across the rest of the world and, and through all decision-making at the top level in government. And it's, um, I find it really terrifying at the moment. I'm sure you're the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a few places I want to go. The first was to sunflower seeds because as soon as I heard that quote, it, it reminded me of the flight that went down that was shot out of the sky over Ukraine mm -hmm. and the sunflower field where mm -hmm. the bodies landed and the families, how they returned to that site and they collected sunflower seeds to, to take back to to take into their homes. I think there, there were issues with Australian customs and things like that, but there was this big movement to make sure that those families could get those sunflower seeds. It's it's such a uh, it's such a symbol of Ukraine, but um that that to me that that's immediately stirred up a sunflower image to me was a reminder of of of, of that flight that was shot out of the sky. I, I think I mean I I know that Putin's motivations uh, in, in his head and obviously complex and rooted deep in history and a historical context that goes back far further than when you and I were born. Uh, but in this case, I mean, you look at it, you think of it as the whims of men, that, that's how I see it. But I, I know there's so much more to it, but that's how I, I see it. It's like he's made this decision and now this yeah. has huge ramifications in Ukraine, obviously, but also globally across international relations. And you look for those little moments where everything shifts and is this that moment where everything shifts to something pretty terrible that hasn't that we haven't experienced um, yeah. the, since, since World War II. And so you, you think through that, but then I'm just always reminded also that conflict has a disproportionate impact on women and girls. 
Mm. And I'm thinking of this particularly for the women and girls in Ukraine right now because already hundreds of people have died. There are bombs. You've seen the footage of the shelling. It's happening right now. It's probably happening as we are recording this. And we know that, you know, women's safety infrastructure deteriorates during uncertainty and during conflict or during um, natural disasters. And it can often be one of the first things to go. And then obviously as people flee um, to safer ground, whatever the situation is, communities leave their homes as they take to foot and other modes of transport to get to wherever they need to get to, women and girls go into seriously vulnerable situation. And that's very likely occurring in Ukraine right now. And one thing also just got me thinking about this. I went back and read over a couple of stories from a few years ago, actually looking at women's rights in Russia, which is a little piece of this. I feel like we've really overlooked and we're very quick to forget about. But I remember this piece, it was from Foreign Policy magazine that looked at how, you know, the much of the rest of the world as it was going through its Me Too movement, actually women's rights in Russia were deteriorating under Putin. Putin was effectively waging a war on, mm. on women's rights. And, and you look at... Um, in, in, in Russia, there's this real push for women to prioritise motherhood, um, which is actually coming at an official level due to declining fertility rates. So to keep uh, Russia expanding, to, to obviously that's important, right? So, And there are certain occupations that women can't participate in. Women earn at least a third less than Men. There was a stat there that until 2021, there were 456 jobs that women could not participate in. And that mm. changed. There was legislation passed that narrowed that to 100. So there's still 100 jobs in Russia that women can't participate in. Mm. In 2017, Russia decriminalized domestic violence that does not cause serious injury for first time offenders. Mm. Mm. <laughs> like, it's like, we, we might forget about that all happening. And then you've got, like, there will obviously be, if you know, we've got sanctions against, so there will be, um, those sanctions will hurt the Russian people. They will, again, it's the same situation that as soon as um, during any kind of uncertain times, during any kind of conflict, when as soon as things become precarious, women and girls will suffer first. So that's in Ukraine, that's in Russia, and wherever this conflict goes next, or whatever ramifications yeah. become yeah. of it. Yeah. We certainly saw that in Afghanistan when um, the U.S. military chose to to pull out, or Joe Biden chose to pull out the U.S. military earlier mm. or last last year, I should say. Um, and you know, we've seen what has what has happened there since that time, and the the kind of atrocities that are taking place on a daily basis. But it, yeah, I mean, it's a really, I mean, it's a really good point that you make. It's yeah. really depressing point that you make um but we there will be so many more flow-on effects for gender equality off off the back of this for sure mm. can I show you something really random and uh if you are listening you might not know that we actually look at each other on a screen as we record <laughs> this as many people do during the day in their various meetings I haven't placed this specifically here due to this conversation or because of the events of this past week <laughs> So I'm holding up a Russian doll of President Putin. And what I can say is that this shows, and I've, I don't really keep much in my life. I'm not really a um, 
collector of objects and things unless it's uh, guitars I love guitars <laughs> it's a little side point but I bought this in Russia I went to Russia when I was 19 I was obsessed with Russian history and I always wanted to go to Russia and at that point I thought that and this is the well, one of the things that I brought back from there and it's so it's a series of Russian dolls that goes through the different um, Russian presidents Boris Yeltsin so I was there in the early 2000s so Putin was in power by then um it's incredible that here we are in 2022 and putin is like my my series of russian dolls have not gone out of date well i suspect that until putin dies your russian dolls will not go out of date given he has you know that's, that's, yeah that's pretty, he kind of legislated that didn't he so yeah he made it impossible for people to get rid of you so yeah. um Anyway. But there you go. That's the one positive to take out of this is that you have an up-to-date Russian doll. I'd be happy. I would be happy for it to not be up-to-date. Very, very much. Very happy not to be. It's become a little toy that um, my three-year-old plays with, which is kind of weird. Um, so. um, what's your win for women this week? Uh, okay, so we are going to win. So I think we've covered uh, uh, that topic then as well. So my win is... Uh, mine's going to be more positive than yours. I'm going to talk about the US soccer team, which has been on a campaign for equal pay for many years, uh, six years, a very vocal campaign, a campaign that we have reported on throughout Women's Agenda and a campaign that seemed pretty unbelievable that they should have to campaign on given the success of the US women's soccer team, particularly at the last World Cup. And I don't even know who the US men's team are. I couldn't name a single player, but I can certainly name a couple of players of the US women's soccer team. And I think that would probably go for much of uh, many parts of the world and particularly um, a lot of the, the United States. They have uh achieved a massive deal and it is uh one of the biggest deals in the history of soccer in the u.s so the players of the team will still the players will split a total of uh u.s 24 million so around 33 million australian with bonuses that will match those of their male counterparts it is a long time coming uh, it's about time, especially. It still doesn't seem like much when you think about what some star players say in the NFL in the US would get just individually as part of their packages, but um, it is moving more on par with their male counterparts. Yeah. I mean, I thought that that was a really um, encouraging sign this week and a great kind of um justification and and celebration of all of the efforts that have gone into that um including you know the the players that have uh really as you said spoken out about the the gaps um within the sport and uh, how unfair it has been so it's always good to see these things happening um and yeah I mean positive steps in sport are a great um yeah. I you just want to note quickly today though I did report on a um a piece about the Dubai championships in tennis mm-hmm. and Andy Murray has come out swinging so Andy Murray is very well known for um his vocal advocacy of gender equality uh bless him he's a good um, one we do love a bit of Andy Murray <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because I also love just an angry Scotsman. So you know, what's not to love about that? But um, but he said that it was a huge step backwards because 
this tournament is paying the men's winner five times more than what their female counterpart is receiving. Um, and it's weird in tennis because actually tennis is kind of heralded as the the benchmark of um you know, gender progress in sport and, and mm. all of the grand slams have equal prize money. So when you see like a discrepancy like that, it's so <laughs> grueling. Um, uh, so we do know that there is significant work to still be done uh, across the board in, in sport, but certainly the women's soccer, the women's US soccer win this week was a big one. Yeah, it takes you back to that moment back in 2019 when you had the stadium at the World Cup title as they won their second straight World Cup title, I should say, when they're in France and you had the entire stadium shouting equal pay. It was, it was an awesome moment and good news there. Okay, so we might just touch briefly on the announcement this week. So the updated gender pay gap figure. Do you have that gender pay gap figure, Tyler? Wrong. I thought I it was 13. 13.8. 13.8, 13.8. So it is a slight narrowing of the gender pay gap I saw some crunching of the numbers that put it to around uh six dollars a week uh of narrowing in terms of the uh what men are taking home over women so yeah I guess that is a little bit of progress but then at the same time there's a few caveats to this one being that this is taken from uh mid-march uh, sorry mid-november which was kind of moving towards the end of the delta wave and before the Omicron wave and the, the great summer of whatever we just experienced. Um, but, um, you know, and men are still earning $255 a week more than women. In yeah. I mean, look, yeah, it is hard to sit up and cheer about a gap um, closing, in, you know, in such a glacial fashion. I think the last one was at 14.2%. So, so seeing it now at 13.8% with those um, variations and nuances and uh, that we know about given the crisis that we've just come out of, um, is it's it, yeah, it's pretty inconsequential in, in the scheme of things. Uh, I mean, obviously it's, a, it's good to note that it hasn't gone up, which it did at the last one. Uh, but, yeah, look. I think I won't be cracking open the champagne for that. No, it's not quite yeah, time for that. And the gender <laughs> pay gap, it still, it still bounces around. That's that's the reality of it. It's still there. It's still showing that, you know, women's, um, women's pay and women's working opportunities and economic security, it is still at the whim of, uh, you know, world events, of uh, pandemics, of... Uh, Putin. recessions of Putin of ego yeah that, that, that you know that we shouldn't have to think about uh world events or macroeconomic factors when thinking about the gender pay gap it just shouldn't be there yeah so sorry to like I feel like I just kind of rubbish to your win for women this week but um <laughs> yeah it that wasn't my win wasn't it Oh no! Sorry, <laughs> the US soccer. Remember, we talked about the US soccer team like seven <laughs> minutes ago. Okay, yeah, that was a win. That was that a was win. a win. This is, let, let's leave it there. Let's. Leave this it is there. a story. <laughs> this is something. <laughs> All right, I think we're good. Thank you, Tyler. I'll talk <laughs> to you next week. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Women's Agenda podcast. A reminder, you can access all the stories and issues that we've touched on and discussed on our website, womensagenda.com.au. I might take this opportunity to also remind you that we do have a number of other podcasts, including the Leadership Lessons, featuring profile interviews and leadership ideas from some of the key women who will be taking us into the decade ahead. And we also have the Women's Health Project, which is a series we've just completed looking at how women's health has been sidelined and overlooked for far too long and the positive things that are occurring to change that. Thank you for listening.